I'm very sure you have an important life, but whatever you are doing, stop and pay attention. It's the afternoon, a podcast with Brent and Robbie. Let me ask you a question. <sighs> Morning, Robbie's coming back, Brent, <laughs> so be careful with that okay. question. You just try to keep recreating the magic, but here's the thing. Nobody recreates what Johnny and Baby had. Selection Sunday happened this past weekend. I don't care. And uh, games start on Thursday. Whatever. Welcome to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. I'm Robbie. With me, as always, is Brent. I got to admit, Robbie, you're sounding much better this week. I am sounding better. I'm still having a tough time singing the jingle, so we might still get into some lower registers when I sing the uh, sing our phone number later in the show. Well, let's let's get it out right now. That way, if you if your voice starts to degrade, we'll have got it as good as it can get. If you've been a faithful listener, have not called with, called us, call us. Five one seven seven nine eight six one eight seven. I'll do it again. Five one seven seven nine eight six one eight seven. Ha! Yeah, I think you got to have that like Music Man Broadway voice. The guy who's trying to like uh, sell you something. Yeah, we're. Tr- I'm trying to sell our listeners and aftergooners on calling us, leaving of a vo- leaving us a voicemail. Even if you don't have a question, just say hi. If you want us to use your question on the air, we might. No promises, but we might. And we're people. We like compliments. We like to be encouraged. Maybe you'd like to call us and tell us to uh, continue with the podcast instead of being present fathers in our children's life. We could use that kind of encouragement. Definitely. We definitely could use that encouragement. Or you could tell us what, what you don't like about the show or that you don't like that we haven't really talked about sports for the last three episodes. <laughs> um, but that's okay. I mean, we'll probably ignore you. But we, we welcome the feedback anyway. So I'm I'm looking at our itinerary for tonight's episode, and sports is like fourth. There it, is a sports is fourth. item on the fourth. It is fourth. Uh, and just as uh, um, is an Easter egg, is that the word I'm looking for? Is an Easter egg? Uh, we we are going to talk about uh, March Madness selections. March Madness will be starting, I think, this Thursday. We're going to give our our preview picks uh, at the at the tail end of the show. So if you only listen to the afternoon or sports podcast for sports only, you can fast forward to maybe the 50 minute mark or so. Or if uh, if we're really fe- not feeling it, maybe the 58 minute mark of the show. Now, Robbie, you said Easter egg. That's uh, that's not the right use of the term. An Easter egg. That's why I was asking about. Yeah, it. an Easter egg is a oftentimes plastic egg hidden from children at the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, who Christians believe is the Son of God. Um, common mistake. <laughs> common mistake. Isn't that isn't that the same thing of what I just said? Isn't the same? Isn't that the same as talking about uh, our March Madness preview picks at the end of the show? Pretty much the same, right? Which part the the Easter egg part or the resurrection of God part? Uh, I mean, I. So the reason we're suddenly getting blasphemous is because Sunday School Billy's not here. Sunday School Billy is not here <laughs> now. No, no, you're wondering, has Cookie Rojas been born? No, Cookie Rojas has not been Nor born. Nor Packy Roger Stone has been born. Nor Bunny Fabrique. Nor Minnie Minoso. Stone. Vaguely ethnic Robbie. 
I, here I, again this week. I can't go a week without hearing your voice. <laughs> um, no, so, he, he doesn't. He doesn't have his kid in this world yet, uh, but he's he's getting ready. And so we're it's just the two of us tonight. It's just the two of us, you and I. I want people to know what kind of employers we are here at the Afternooner LLC. Is that Billy's on paternity leave right now? The baby hasn't come. Technically, is it FMLA or legally can he take leave yet? Does he have the vacation time build up? No, he doesn't. He has. He doesn't have the personal days. But that's okay. We said, Billy, it's fine. Go be with your wife. Be with your soon-to-be-born child. Take as much time as you need. Next time our listeners hear Sunday School Billy's voice, he, he will have his daughter in the room with him as well as us because we are going to podcast from the hospital room. Yeah, we did. I mean, his family already took the vote. It was at least he got the majority vote already from him and his unborn daughter that we could be there. Here's the thing. We know Annie. If we just show up in that hospital room, she's not kicking us out. So uh, Sunday, all that to say, Sunday School Billy's not here. I do have, uh, I, I've talked to him about this, and I can assure you that right now he is wearing his Reebok Spartan Race t-shirt in solidarity with the Afternooner Sports Podcast. Though based on that Easter egg comment of yours, he might be tearing it off in a kind of holy prophet rage, throwing ash on his hair, doing, you know, the righteous anger thing. Well, this is what, that's what happens when he's not here. Sunday School Billy goes away for one week, and we're pretty much anathema. <laughs> Blasphemous Robbie is in the house. <laughs> so, now, Robbie, uh, when we were setting up today, I don't want to suggest you're ever sour. I don't want to suggest you ever face the world with anything but a glow. But you were sort of agitated, and I asked you what was wrong, and you... You started to go on a real passionate rant, a Detroit Lions passionate rant, and I asked you to stop so that you could talk about it on the podcast because I felt like it was something that our Aftergooners need to hear, that they need to know that there are other voices out there that might be just like theirs. And the subject we're talking about is daylight savings time. Now, it's, it's spring, which means spring forward, which means lose an hour of sleep. Robbie, you're, you are fit to be tied right now. I'm just going to hand it off to you. Daylight savings time. Brent, I don't know how I feel in the fall when we quote unquote fall back. Because I'm probably a happier, more pleasant person at that time because I'm gaining an extra hour of sleep. But that's not what I've just went through. Last night, a friend comes over, and as he sometimes does, he brings his Xbox and we play video games. And it's uh it's 1.50 in the morning. And then at that moment, I'm like, oh no, oh no, it's really 2.50 in the morning because it's daylight savings time. So it's three o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, and I haven't went to bed. I wake up in the morning. I am confused. I don't know. You've experienced morning Robbie before, Brent. I have, and it, I am not trying to make a joke. You are an ornery, short person in the morning. You are curt with people. You you do not want to have a conversation. What are you talking about? <laughs> and that's what I fear about daylight savings, that morning Robbie gets extended into 
Afternoon Robbie, who we love. Morning Robbie was extended into Afternoon Robbie and to the Afternooner Robbie right now. I'm still suffering the effects of Morning Robbie all because of daylight savings time. Now, yes, should I maybe have not stayed up till 2 in the morning? Maybe uh, maybe I should have been aware that daylight savings time was coming up on me before 1.50 a.m., 10 minutes before it actually happens. But I wake up in the morning. I don't know. I'm looking at my watch. I'm confused. I'm disoriented. And I'm having to think way too hard about, wait, my watch says 8 o'clock. Does that mean it's 7 o'clock right now or is it 9 o'clock? I don't know. And and then I go back to sleep and I wake up five minutes later and I have the same confused. It just ruins your sleep, ruins those last few precious minutes of sleep. Now, this is a visceral hatred you have. And I only know, I, I know daylight savings is about farmers, but I don't know when it happened. I don't totally know why it happened. Do, is is yours nothing but a visceral hatred or is it also a principled hatred? There's a, there's a little, mo, as with most things, most of my hatred is visceral. Uh, and uh, I mean, all listeners know I'm not much of a, I'm not a principled person per se. There's blasphemous Robbie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to finish talking about how how morning Robbie's day went. I had two cups of coffee to try to get me through church this mo- Sunday or Sunday morning. It's a, I I had to slog through an afternoon lunch with the family. I took an. I asked my wife Wait, to with, drive home with, with what family? My family. Oh, your family. <laughs> uh, we're out. To, we're out to eat though. That's the problem. I asked my wife, I'm like, because usually she prefers that I drive. And I said, hey, can you drive the 10 minutes home so I can sleep in the car? 10 minutes home. I took a two-hour evening nap with my daughter. Wait, what do you mean an evening nap? 4.30 to 6.30. Your daughter slept from 4.30 to 6.30? Yeah. What time did your daughter go to bed? Nine. Nine. That's amazing that she got to bed at nine if she went woke up at 6.30. Yeah, uh... If I wouldn't have fallen asleep, she wouldn't have slept that long. But, but so so yeah. There's there's the visceral Robbie daylight savings time. It's been a rough rough day. I'm walking around. I'm grumpy. My wife and I are talking, and I just asked her a question. She's like, "What's with the attitude?" I'm like, "I, I don't think I didn't mean to have any attitude. It was just daylight savings Robbie coming out." Yeah, it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. It, that's right. But he, here's the here's the principal uh, argument against why daylight savings time is bad for us. Wait, it's the argument against why it's bad for us? No, I'm sorry. It's why, here's here's my response of why daylight savings time is bad. Got it. The day after, the week after daylight savings time, as people's bodies are adjusting to being sleep deprived, there are more car accidents. Wait, is that true? The American Journal of Economics, I believe, did a study. There's a spike in car accidents after daylight savings time. Is that because of they're now driving in the dark, though? I think, I mean, yeah, maybe, but that's a consequence of daylight savings times. People, because our work hours, our schedule, school schedules, those don't change with daylight savings time. So in the fall, does does it spike downward? Does it valley? I read this on Time Magazine, and they didn't address that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's an excellent point. It's yeah, excellent, it's not what I thought you'd start with. That is what car wrecks. Also, heart attack spike. What? Yes, people have more heart trouble the day the day. I think the stat was twenty one percent heart rates or heart attacks or heart incidents that people have go up by twenty one percent on the Monday after daylight savings time, but by by Tuesday I think they they go down from average by thirteen percent. So it's like an eight percent difference though, where eight percent more heart attack issues as people's bodies adjust to daylight savings time. Do you think that's because they're like drinking a whole lot more coffee or they're having a whole lot more 
meth or whatever they use to wake up in the morning? Man, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I always, I. Is that, is, is meth your preferred drug no, of choice? that's not what I was going to say, but what I'm going to say would have been stopped by Sunday School Billy. So his spirit was with me. Good. And uh, you don't have to edit that out now. Good. <laughs> um, so it complicates heart issues. People have more heart issues. There's a direct, well. Say it. Just say I it. was going to say direct Hasht correlation and you were going to say. Hashtag afternoon or fact. You are going to say correlation is not causation or something like that. Hashtag afternoon or causation. The other, another downside of daylight savings time, retailers lose money. Retailers lose money. In one study of a one of the big credit card companies, I don't know which one, they saw that uh, purchasing at retailers with that card went down by 3.5% in the week after, you know, that we spring forward. Now, they did have the question that you asked earlier about the driving stats. They said, well, what about the week after we fall back? And there was a slight spike, but only a half percent. So there's a negative, a net of negative 3% in retailer purchases as a result of daylight savings time. This is an honest question. I don't know. Why does daylight savings time? I know it's something with farmers. Yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I, I'll be honest. I didn't read about this part, but yeah, that's my understanding too, is, uh, it came about so farmers could start their day with the sun. So farmers would just have their day days with start earlier. So school schedules, work schedules, they would have more daylight hours to work with to get more work done. So right? I, did Benjamin Franklin start this? I, I don't, I don't know that. For either. some reason I'm thinking Benjamin Franklin started this. Either way, the question would be, well, what did farmers do before daylight savings? Like they got by, like, was this a problem or was this just a solution in search of a problem? Did Benjamin Franklin, who I'm just now for no reason, this sounds like a Benjamin Franklin <laughs> thing because it's an American thing like daylight savings is an American thing. Yeah, uh, but it's not an Arizonan thing. Arizona has does not participate in daylight savings time. Even more schizophrenic is the state of Indiana, which where part I, of the state. Yeah, I went to college in Indiana. Part of the state is eastern, part of the state is central, and then part of the state just stays on standard the whole time. I thought they changed that a few years ago in Indiana, where they're still split on time zones, but they one time zone doesn't honor. What do you got to do this to me for? Indiana. What do you got to do this to me for? Here I said, hashtag afternoon or fact, and you come back with a, no, I, I think that's outdated. Why would you do that? Because it's, I'm just confused. It's confused. And I'm, because morning Robbie is still here with you tonight at 1130 at night, Brent. Wait, it's the, it's the basic Wait, rule what, of is improv. It really, is it really 1130? No, it's not 1130. It feels like it. It's 214 Tuesday afternoon. Do, are you okay? Well, I've been in two car accidents. I've had two heart, <laughs> heart, minor heart issues. And I haven't been buying anything at the Gap. <laughs> I was all excited to see your new Aeropostale shirt. And <laughs> now I just got the same old, same old Hollister. Is Hollister still cool among the kids? Is that a thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. Kids, call us. 517-798-6187. And tell us what's cool these days. Why, why did you get all sultry when you were asking the kids to call? Like, what? Because I thought that was cool. I'm just trying to be hip and with it. I think if I know kids these days, the invoice is more of a, hey, guys, call you afternooner. We'd really like to hear from you. My retainer doesn't fit right. But that's cool, right? 
Come on, guys. Let's play the Atari. So thanks, Teenage Brent, for joining us. That was. Retainer. <laughs> so, Robbie, tell me, back to the, the issue at hand, what do you want to see done? We, we've got Aftergooners out there that are um, homeless. We've got Aftergooners out there that are in prison. We've got Aftergooners. You've just described us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Aftergooners out there who are elected politicians. What do you want to happen with Daylight Savings? Just make it go away. Make just, it go away. Just pick a time. Honestly, I don't care which one. My body will adjust to falling back or my body will adjust to springing forward. You know, you can just have the difference. Just pick the half hour between the two times and just let that be our time all the time. Let me ask you a question. Morning Robbie's coming back, Branch, so be careful of that <laughs> All question. Right. All right, this is a... I do not know the answer to this question. I, I know why Greenwich time is zero, right? And everything sort of moves out from there because England was essentially ruling the world at the time. But who decided where the time zone lines would be? So my folks live in Nashville, and they are on the far eastern side of central time. Who decided that Nashville was going to be central rather than just being on the west side of Eastern? Like, who, who did, was, was it people in England? Did Americans get to decide? And when it comes to, like, third world countries, did they get to decide if they're one time zone or two time zones? How many time zones are in the United States? It goes Atlantic? Isn't well, Maine Atlantic? There's, there's four in the uh, continental United States. So there's, really? Eastern? Central, Mountain, Pacific. Okay, so I think maybe the eastern seaboard of Canada is another time zone. Maine doesn't hit that. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe Maine clips that. Uh, okay, I could I could be off, but but I mean then Alaska is in a different one, and Hawaii's a few more. Okay, do you know how many time zones China has? No, I would guess as many as there are in the U.S. I mean, maybe four or five, right? I I don't know if this is going to make you even angrier because of the whole bureaucracy in regards to time, but there's one. There's one time zone in China. Now, China you're right. China's about the size of the United States. And I think, I think Greenwich and I think other countries would love them to have more time zones, but they only have one. It's like Beijing is this and everybody's going to follow it. So there's one time zone in China. Look it up, Robbie. I, I, no, I believe you. I'm just, I mean, I don't, I'm flummoxed. I mean, why, why would they do that? Just to... For the same reason they have like a state religion based around Mao and that they suppress Buddhism and Christianity and other religions and I mean for the same reason. All right. I'm I'm actually I'm looking this I'm doing my best to like look this up on the computer now while we podcast. And this went bad before, but I'm seeing here that China did observe daylight saving time from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety one. So the point is they don't anymore and so therefore I'm okay with their one time zone policy. You're okay with one, so you would be okay if New York City and Los Angeles were on the same time zone. So, like, what the word midnight meant to New York City, midnight could not possibly mean to the people in Los Angeles. I mean, if daylight savings time wasn't involved with the way I feel today, yes, I would take it. If you're telling me you can have, Robbie, you can have daylight savings time where, hey, all the, the powers that be are going to mess with your body clock twice a year. Or you can just kind of be stuck on uh, this weird time. And everybody gets weird time because we're all on New York time. But when you're like reading a book and they say like, it, you know, at two in the morning, he got up and you're like, yep, well, two in the morning, he's ready for work. 
That's a fair problem. I don't read books, so it's not an issue. <laughs> so what what happens in China if you're you know in Western China near Tibet or something like that? You you really think like two in the morning is just that's the time when you like get up, get up and start your day. So you you it's like inconceivable if you were born and raised in that environment that like midnight means what we understand midnight to mean. But this is the same kind of the same problem you were I think you were getting at earlier because isn't all of is all of Tennessee on central time? I don't think so. I think Memphis, which is western Tennessee, is oh, oh. is central. No, Knoxville is eastern. Okay. Well, but but I mean just take the eastern time zone. Mid you know, we have uh dusk on the west side of Michigan, which is the very western edge of the eastern time zone, is gonna be at a very different time of the day than dusk at uh, you know, out east, unlike uh, we're you were just in Virginia, Blacksburg, Virginia, mm -hmm. near close to close to the coast, a few hours maybe. It's just a there's a huge gap there. There's a huge geographical distance that six p.m. might be dark in one of those spots and might not in the other spot. Let me say this right now: there's a lot of division in this country. A lot of people saying that we've never had more opposition against one another since the Civil War. But I want all the Afrikaners out there to know whether they're in prison, whether they're in the back of a station wagon, whether they're in Washington, D.C., as long as the citizens of this country uniformly accept time zone divisions, we remain one America. Because when the day comes when people in West Michigan say, no, we are we're not an hour off, we're 40 minutes off. So we're not gonna, why are we doing it by an hour? We're 40 minutes different. And you're just gonna have to learn to adjust. That's the day that Civil War begins again. I'm gonna make a bumper sticker for us and a hashtag, make America time unified again. But, do, you think, do you think it'll catch on? Make America time unified again. Are you suggesting we become communist China? No, but I imagine we did live in a world where we were on the same time in America early on our history. Really? Like this gets back to your question about what's the history of time zones. Was it some people in Greenwich that came up with this? Was were countries involved, or did someone just say, "Here, here's your time it's zones"? A great point. Because like, this is your next. This is your book, Brent. This is your work, life's work. Your opus. When the Jefferson, history of time zones. When Jefferson is in Washington, and Lewis and Clark are out in the Pacific Northwest. What and, time and is and it? And they're texting each other. <laughs> what time is it to Lewis and Clark? Like we are, we we have clocks and watches by this time. What on earth time is it to them when they're in the Pacific Northwest? Because there's obviously not time zones divided up yet. Because even if there were time zones divided up in the eastern part of the United States, they're certainly not in the Pacific Northwest. What time do they think it is? Now I've read a good deal about Lewis and Clark. I don't remember this ever coming up. I mean, there's, yeah, there's another, there's another possibility for your life's work, your opus, Brent, to write the book on Lewis and Clark's opinion of time. You know, I was actually just talking about time as a technology shaping, culture changing technology with uh, Aftergrooner Lucas Barres. Mm, we yes. were just, we were just talking, we were talking about technology, and we he kind of made this throwaway comment about well, and watches. Like all of a sudden you always know what time of day it is or how much time has elapsed 
you know, and and we think of wristwatches when I say that, but even timepieces. I mean, I don't know the history of timepieces, but whenever people started carrying time with them, how that must have changed the way you lived your life, that you're able to measure, accurately measure how much time has elapsed, how much how late you are to something, how just how dramatically culture was changed and altered. The watch also suggest and the cell phone obviously too, it's an interaction between person and machine. Whereas before, it, it's not as the, I mean, you could have had an interaction with person and nature and like looking at the sun, but it was also interaction between person and community because the time was marked by the church bells, right? The time was marked by when the harvest came. The time was marked when, when there was a certain feast or festival, right? But now you just do it, you just do it individually. You know, and, and uh, in my house, we try to get back to the basics, well and, done. Yes. which is why we use a sundial in our front yard, and that's the only watch or timepiece we have. I would, listen, do you promise to do this? Just say yes before I even tell you. Yes. Okay. So I want I'm your, also a liar. <laughs> I want your kids to be late to school for a week. Already there. <laughs> and then when they write you a letter, I want you to write a letter back. I'm happy to write this letter. <laughs> saying that your family, in an attempt to minimize the reliance on technology, is using position of the sun in order to tell time. And if if and it's been really cloudy this week, I'm it, sorry. And if we're late, it's because you all have the problem, not our family. You've got the problem. You're out of order. This whole system is out of order. No time zones. We're not going to be a part of the system anymore. Hey, so I, I, I'm sure our listeners would like us to spend another the, re, the second half of the show talking about daylight savings time <laughs> and time zones. But really, I, I, I'm genuinely interested in finding what is the historical, like the book to read on the history of time zones and how that came about. Maybe that could just be our next three podcasts after I find the book. You and I could just read it back and forth. I, someone has dedicated- Or we'll call the author and let them talk to us about it. That's actually a great idea. Uh, we're gonna so next week on the show we're gonna have the author of some book we've not discovered yet in, that it exists. <laughs> Look, how many times is that person getting contacted by a by a sports podcast? I say unless they're over eighty, they jump at the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Now and, here's the thing: is that book written a hundred years ago, or is that book written five years ago? Like, is there anything more to say about time zones after that initial book gets written? Well, it sounds like, you know, when I Googled, I saw that The Atlantic published something four years ago, The Atlantic Magazine, on uh, on why Ch China needs to change their time zones. So there's definitely a market out there for this book. So I'd be shocked if this book has not been written within the last 15 to 20 years. Do you think as we're interviewing the person who writes the book on time zones, that we ask him a question or ask her a question, and there's just a silence and a long sigh, and we're like, hey, what's wrong? And they say... Sometimes I just realize how I've spent my adult life. <laughs> and so this person's going to be so excited to be asked questions uh, on a sports podcast. They're going to think of all their opinions they have about sports. And we're like, no, we're really interested in the daylight savings time issue. This, the, it, it really does. For time zones to work, it seems like you need an empire to really get that established so that everybody follows it. Then the empire can fall and everybody just keeps doing it because of tradition. But you need a dictator, you need an emperor, you need an overlord to create time zones. So there's another bumper sticker for you. Only, only overlords follow time zones. <laughs> and then every time you're late, you just say like, this is, this is the American spirit. Do you think Lewis and Clark are on time? 
unless uh, the afternoon or sports podcast are the overlords in this scenario, in which case we expect everyone to listen. We're the Patrick Henry of time zones. All right, Brent. So I mentioned, I'm going to switch gears. I mentioned earlier that you were in uh, Virginia this past week, but you're, I want everyone to know your commitment to the afternoon <laughs> sports podcast that you were probably breaking the speed limit a little bit on the way home to make sure you got home early enough to see your kids for just a few minutes and then immediately come to pick me up and all of our sound equipment to get over here to the Dwayne Ski Memorial Studio tonight to record this podcast. It's funny you should mention uh, Dwayne Skeen because I was at this. I was at an academic conference in Virginia, and for the first time in like eight years, at this random conference in Blacksburg, Virginia, I ran into Dwayne Skeen's daughter-in-law. Wow. Yeah, I was just in a lobby, and then she walked by, and I, I, I had her as a student, and so she said my name, and and I was like, hey, yeah, we hugged and, and talked for a few minutes, and. I didn't tell her, hey, your father, like, this would just be a great sentence for her to hear. Really strange sentence. Hey, I record a sports podcast in a studio we named after your father-in-law. <laughs> I'm going to tweet this at her. <laughs> <laughs> but you should know she was an archivist. Yeah, yeah. We've actually had conversations before because my formal graduate training was in archival studies. I don't I, want to talk about I this just, anymore. I don't want to. I, I mean, would you rather talk about intellectual property and copyright law you know i would yeah okay anyway she's in archival studies right so anyway yeah i was in blacksburg virginia i was at an academic conference and i don't really like academic conferences and uh so i always bring podcast racing expert eric shaw with me so <laughs> he takes he's you know his day job is he's a uh, children protective services worker but he uh, moonlights as my plus one at academic conferences. <laughs> and here's the thing. So an academic conference costs like 150 bucks to get in. It's a total racket. And every single time, he just he never pays and he just walks into all of these things. And no one has ever questioned it, right? After Gooners out there, you want to go to an academic conference and you're scared away by the price? Just show up. <laughs> They're just excited someone wants to hear what they have to say. Wait, do you have a ticket to be in here to hear these three professors read their papers they've written? I mean... There's only five other people in here. We don't want the room to be too crowded. Do you have a ticket? It's a time zone conference, standing room only. Show your ticket at the door. Hash, the afternooners official time zone conference. What if, this... we start, what if we start our own academic conference? We just pick a random topic like time zones, and then we put out a call. Next thing you know, we've got 50 scholars showing up to present papers on issues related to time zones so there's you but then they find out when they show up and every inner every panel is being introduced and it's introduced that uh, this co academic conference is sponsored by the afternoon or sports podcast why are we all delivering our papers in this small studio <laughs> and then you know you know we are going to get a lot of chinese scholars coming across the globe to speak at a conference on time zones because who knows time zones better than them or except they're always they're all going to be like eight to 15 hours late because they're going to be on that one time zone that they just can't they're not allowed to leave excellent point yeah because maybe they know the least amount of time zones since they don't really ever they don't encounter even, them do they even know they exist you're blowing my mind right now i mean that's probably more of a north korea thing sorry china how many times probably one time zone for north korea I think the rest of the world should split North Korea with two time zones just to see how North Korea would respond. Didn't that already happen when uh, South, probably South Korea was given a time zone when they split Korea into two? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know either. 
we need to move on. Hashtag, so, hashtag time zone conference 2018. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's get back. You're at an academic conference with uh, NASCAR podcast, NASCAR ex expert, Eric Shaw. Right. And uh, you actually, Robbie, helped us out. Um, I hope it made you feel good. You gave us a couple of recommendations. Made me feel uh, great. You, you so great that I didn't even read half the text you guys sent me about it. <laughs> you, uh, you sent me a place to go hike part of the Appalachian Trail to go Ma to McAfee Knob in McAfee Virginia, Knob, which is a this famous overhang of a rock, and people get pictures there. And we, I think we texted you. Has do you know if anyone has died? Because this rock just hangs over. Last time, the last time I at least heard about was someone died in two thousand five there, and I don't know if it was like a dramatic fall or what the issue is, but. There have been a number of deaths. I and like Eric uh, Eric asked me how many. I don't know exactly how many, but at least one. Yeah, people there are more than one. People have died there. Do you think if that as that person's falling to their death off of this rock overhang, do you think it comforts them to know that which com which comforts them more? That they're the first person to do this or that they are now one of a select few? <laughs> you're you're <laughs> I mean, you're falling, I love it that, that these you're are falling the thousands of feet, or the, at least hundreds the, of feet. You've got time to have this thought, and that this is the thought you're having before is, is one of your last thoughts. I mean, I think I mean, as, I, as I, last thoughts go, that's probably one of the more profound ones. Yeah. Uh, I, th I, I think I would rather be, I'd rather know that I was the first person to die like that. Because you've got all these cautionary tales, and I didn't heed any of them to be either careful or to avoid this activity entirely. And I'd like to think, oh, because it makes me feel, it'll make me feel better. This is a fluky thing. Um, no one saw this coming, that this was the, somebody could die this way. Who knew that you, if you got at the edge of a rock that hung over a cliff. <laughs> and, and that, uh, you know, maybe I'm kind of a groundbreaker of, so to speak, that I'm, I'm a trailblazer Whoa. setting a new path. Think, hey, there's this way to go, people. No one ever knew it could happen like this. Did you just say you were a groundbreaker? The person who falls off the cliff <laughs> is a groundbreaker? I would love to tell you I'm witty enough that I said that on purpose. But I did. I meant to say trailblazer initially. But then, yeah, you guys had a good time. Yeah, you got, we, we you got the requisite pictures to certify your experience. Yep, and uh, you told us a place to dine, and we went and dined at that place, and it was, it was fantastic. But on Friday, we were all day at the conference. And after the conference, there wasn't a lot going on in Blacksburg. We were, frankly, disappointed by Blacksburg. I, I'm sure students being on spring break had something to do with that. But so it was Friday afternoon. We didn't know what to do. And uh, we like to try different kinds of things. And so we're looking through some stuff to do in Blacksburg. And, and, and none of it's, frankly, very interesting. And uh, then we come across something, a bit of trivia. Picture it, 1987, an America wrestling in the death throes of the Soviet Union, trying to establish victory in the Cold War, not sure what's going to happen as this century and millennium comes to a close. A movie is released that unites that country, both the old and the young, male, female, black, white, they all come together to admire the moving swaying hips of a young Patrick Swayze as he stars in Dirty Dancing. Now, 
I don't know how many of our Aftergooners out there know the movie Dirty Dancing. Let me give you've seen it, Robbie. I'm sure they all do. They wouldn't be listening to the podcast if they didn't. A real quick synopsis. Now, the movie came out in 1987, but it's set in 1962. As a doctor and his family travel to the Catskills Mountains to spend three weeks at a mountain resort where it's all inclusive, dance lessons happen, you know, bocce ball, tennis, all kinds of stuff, a lake. And uh, when the family gets there, one of the dancing instructors catches the eye of the female lead who goes by the nickname Baby. Her like real name B -A -B -Y. is B-A-B-Y. B-A-B-Y. Frances Hausman is her name. It's Jennifer Grey is the actress. And uh, Baby sees, it's sort of like a snobs versus slobs uh, kind of movie, right? The dancers who work there are the slobs and the snobs are the doctors, all the doctors' families and the rich people. And it's a coming of age story. It's a first love story as Baby falls in love with Johnny, Patrick Swayze. She fills in for a dancer who uh, has gotten pregnant and uh, is actually seeking an abortion and uh, gets the abortion, but it goes wrong and Baby has to fill in. Baby and, and Johnny start to fall in love. And then you have the slob versus snob, you know, get out of here. You're not good enough for my daughter. Gets kicked out of the resort and he comes back in this triumphant moment at the end where they do this big dance, and I mean, it's a it's a classic. I it's, I guess it's a romantic comedy movie. I don't know if it's a how much it's there are funny moments, but it's a legitimately fun, great movie. Like if you haven't seen Dirty Dancing, just stop being such a cool person and watch Dirty Dancing. Why do I bring this up? Because Dirty Dancing was filmed just outside of Blacksburg, Virginia. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we uncover this. And we find out if you drive about 10 miles out, you drive up to the top of this hill in the Blue Ridge Mountains where there's a resort that they shot Dirty Dancing. So we, of course, we went straight up there. See a conference? We're going up to the top of the mountain. And we go, and it's a working, it's still a working lodge 30 years later. Still a working lodge, still a working resort. And a huge hotel, Stone Face Hotel. We go in there, there's a, there's a bar and restaurant. And so we sit down. And we start talking with the waiter, and the waiter's giving us all this dirt, telling us all this stuff that happened. So you can go and you can see the sites, you can see the cottage where Baby's family stayed, you can see so, the boathouse. So people people come and almost on a pilgrimage of sorts to this place just to for because they like they're fans of Dirty Dancing. In August, you guys aren't the only ones that do this. No, there in in August there's a Dirty Dancing weekend, or a Dirty Dancing academic conference that you're going to be at. Well, I mean. I, I'm already sort of committed to the time zone conference. We just got to make we Fair just got to make sure that's not also in August. So right, yeah. In fact, there's another couple in the restaurant that was also do, we we were talking to them. We're like, hey, are you do you stay here at the resort? And they're like, no, we're doing what you're doing. So we travel. We walk around the uh, the resort and and we've seen the movie. So it's or I've seen the movie and uh, seeing all the different spots that you can remember from the movie. And uh, so there's a lake. There's a lake there. But there's no lake there anymore. There's a lake there at the top of the mountain in the movie. And now the boathouse goes out and it's dry. And not only is it dry, this, this like 50-acre lake is just totally dry. There's vegetation growing up from the bed. It's been dry for a while. So we're talking with the waiter. And we're like, what the heck happened out there? 
And he says, oh, well, here's the story. So there's only two naturally occurring lakes in Virginia. And this is one of them. And it gets fed through these aquifers underneath the, the mountain. Uh-huh. But whenever there's a seismic activity, the aquifers like break open some and the water descends into the earth. And then the lake drains, naturally drains. And it's done this eight times. They've done like core samples and they found out it's done this eight times in like the history of the land. And in ni- like 1997, it started to drain 10 years after the movie. And then by 2005, it was, it was empty. And it takes like 30 years for it to fill back up. So they have another seven to like 11 years to wait. And the lake will just naturally fill back up. So they're trying to survive these years without a lake because it's just completely dry. The guy who found this lake, quote unquote found, 1751, he found it. He's, he writes to his like family, hey, I found this, and friends, I, I found this lake. They then come up. This is in 1751. Then they come up a couple years later, and there's no lake. And they think, like, this guy's crazy. He must have his map wrong or something like that. But no, it's just because the lake naturally disappeared. So in the place where Baby learned to do the lift, when Johnny took her into the lake and lifted her up to teach her how to do the lift, it's just a dry bed of vegetation. Wow. So the waiter's telling us all this, and and he says to us then, hey, do you want to go to the room that Patrick Swayze stayed in when he was filming here. And we were like, yeah, naturally. He even has a printout to prove to us with Patrick Swayze's signature which room number he stayed in. We go up to the room. He lets us get, I don't know. He's like, do you want to take a picture? Sure. So we get on the bed and we get <laughs> we get on the bed. I mean, it's obviously not the same mattress. It's been 30 years. Are but, you sure? Yeah, it could have been. We get pictures taken. Uh, we come back down. Uh, the 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 waiter's telling us which places are haunted. He says there's a uh, there's a cabin in this uh, resort that once a weekend in August no one will can stay in because every time someone stays there they don't make it through the weekend. They leave because of screams, because of glass breaking, because you know fifty years ago or so. Um, a guy found out his wife was cheating on him and he brought a shotgun into the, the into the cottage, killed the lover, the wife, and then himself, and it has been haunted ever since. The waiter tells us that the room with Patrick Swayze, uh, a little girl died in that room after Patrick Swayze, and so when people stay in that room, they sometimes hear a little girl like coming into the room like she's chasing a ball. Wow. I... I got it got an eerie feeling. I just took my podcasting headphones off while you were telling me that story because I thought I just heard someone scratching at the door of the studio. Is that true? Yeah, I didn't it's just a weird quirk with my headphones. It was I don't hear I did not hear it when I took my headphones off. But you I'm I'm sufficiently spooked right now, Brent. Well, let's let's get you away from being spooked and back to the fact that I got to spend the entire day where dirty dancing was shot. Robbie we were just tickled. We were giggling like schoolgirls. Eric had never seen the movie before. Oh. So that night, we, uh, <laughs> like the two, like you'd two expect. Two middle-aged men were watching Dirty Dancing. We went back to the hotel, rented it on the computer, and just sat in bed, shared a king-size bed, and just sat in bed eating pizza, watching Dirty Dancing, texting our wives, yeah, this is what we're doing right now. <laughs> so... Eric now knows the the film because you guys watched it together very well. He'll never forget when you're strolling around the resort because you had seen it before. Which song are you singing more 
Hungry Eyes, or I've Had the Time of My Life. Let's uh let's give our listeners first Hungry Eyes, which is played when Patrick Swayze Johnny is first teaching baby Jennifer Grey how to dance. Now that it, it's set in '62, but this song is from the '80s, and it's sort of historically anachronistic. The movie's worth the anachronism. The other movie, or the other song you're thinking of, is "Time of Your Life" by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes, who sang That's the right. Growing Pains theme, theme song. song. Here's this is, and this is the classic song from Dirty Dancing. So here it is right now. All right, so Brent, you have one one of those songs is going to be played at your funeral. Which one do you want everyone there to hear? Those are your only two choices. Well, I've had the time of my life is sort of appropriate because he's That's, they're both saying and I've never felt this way before. And you of you wouldn't have because you've been you're dead. Exactly. It's the first time you're feeling that way. Never yeah. will again. So I guess I'm you know, I'm going time of your life. So which one were you singing more as you and Eric either humming in your head or if if it was me I would probably have been singing out loud and maybe doing a little some dance kicks. Well there's also the uh Loverboy scene that's very famous by Mickey and Sylvia where um it's actually I think the song's actually called Love is Strange. That's also one you could be humming, but no, I was definitely humming Time of Your Life or Time of My Life. So I I do have a little bit of a Dirty Dancing trivia for you. Now, you know this because I told you. You told me, hey, all you said is, I want to talk about Dirty Dancing tonight. <laughs> and I, I didn't know if we actually would because I get text, I get those texts from you about once a day. I want to talk about this in the podcast. And I'm like, uh, but you sounded serious enough. I actually read a little bit about Dirty Dancing. I watched, refresh my memory by watching a few key scenes. One, so it was a, a low-budget film. Yes. Swayze, this was Swayze's breakout. I mean, he, he was in pretty much an unknown. Um, the only star that had, like, a big career was the dad. Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach, who up until that point was pretty much, he had made his career on Broadway as a song and dance man, as a stage performer. This was one of his first, like, movies, and all of our, probably more of our aftergoons we know Jerry Orbach as Lenny Briscoe, from when he was on Law and Order from like 1992 to 2004 or something like that. Right. Yes. And he's, ironically, he's, you know, as the dad, he's actually a great character. He's not just like the dad who, who 
Not like the dad from Footloose. Exactly. Or the preacher from Footloose. No. Wait, was it? They weren't the one in the same? Well, yeah. John Lithgow is the preacher. Preacher but, and the dad. But he's also the dad of the, the female lead, um, I think. But definitely a preacher. And uh, no, so this dad, like, ha like he when he's a doctor, and so when the abortion goes wrong, um, he sort of comes and saves the day, and and is a very and the the movie is clear that like he's a really good doctor, and he's ta he's taking care of this woman even though he didn't doesn't like what's going on and things like that, but uh, he uh, he doesn't want to see his daughter dancing, and he does this thing at the end where they're seated at the uh, at the. Uh, variety show on the last night of the three weeks and his daughter baby is sitting in the corner and it's the most famous scene in the movie because johnny walks in walks up to the table of the houseman family and says do you know robbie i don't remember nobody puts baby in a corner and there is a gift shop at this resort for dirty dancing paraphernalia and there were mugs that said corner definition place baby is never to be put <laughs> But I did not get that from my wife. I did buy my wife a pair of dirty dancing sweatpants. I, I <laughs> that's right. I am shocked you've not you did not buy the uh, the the place the mug because if I had a quarter for every time you've said to me nobody puts baby in a corner, <laughs> I would I would have enough money to uh, I don't know take out that ad that we've talked about for the afternooner in some academic conference journal proceedings. So Brent. Uh, I don't know how many of these I'm going to list off a bunch of dancing films. Mm -hmm. Could you, I don't tell me is dirty dancing the top ones after I give you the list or rank, you know, rank them. Sure. I've got, there's footloose, which you mentioned there's flash dance. There's save the last dance with Julia styles and there's step up with Channing, Channing Tatum. Those last two are not from, those are just random dancing. There's not from the eighties or something like that. They're from the early two thousands. Okay. Well, the only one I've seen is footloose of that list. And Footloose, I think, would be considered like maybe the most famous dance movie if you don't count like West Side Story. But Dirty da Dirty Dancing is such a fun movie. So you put Dirty Dancing over Footloose? Legitimate, like legitimately enjoyable movie to watch. Now this is going to be a this is a controversial question, one that's raised the ire of a lot of people on the on the interwebs. Where do you put Dirty Dancing, Habana Nights? Never seen it. It. The idea of it is ridiculous. Look, it's it's set. It's supposed to be a prequel. It's supposed to be a prequel, but it, and it's set in Cuba. It's set in Cuba, so you have the communist backdrop. Sure. Look, look. Geopolitics. Here's the thing about Dirty Dancing. After it becomes a hit, and you're right, it was a low budget film. There just becomes a series of Dirty Dancing in, and then you just place it someplace else, right? the like figure skating dirty dancing and i think that was cutting edge cutting edge right and so there's topic all, there's all these like different kinds of dirty dancing movies right and this happens with like superhero movies and stuff like that like you just try to keep recreating the magic but here's the thing nobody recreates what johnny and baby had nobody look i'm telling you we grew up i think we grew up around females who admired baby because baby's going to college and she wants to be a peace corps worker she's studying to go to college to to help be a peace corps worker and she meets her first love and she's awkward and she's learning to dance and she's learning to be a woman it's a lesson both her father as well as baby 
has to have. But don't think that Johnny's just the one dispensing lessons. Oh, no. Johnny has a lesson to learn as well about trust, about learning to trust people, about not running away. And at the end, when everybody's dancing and Johnny's holding baby, I'm going to believe that they're going to make it. Those two kids are going to make it, even if it means that it requires nuclear missiles to come raining down <laughs> on that mountain lodge so that they just embrace one another in a final dirty dance. They made it. So, after Gooners out there, if you've never seen Dirty Dancing, look, it's fine. Go see your, like, whatever art house film or go see your stupid superhero movie for the ninth time and pretend it's philosophically deep. Or just go have a good time watching Baby and Johnny fall in love. And then you can go visit that resort in, in rural Virginia and see the lake that's not really a lake right now, but it will be again. That's why. Here's my question. If I'm the resort owner... Why is he just not running a hose out there? And maybe it takes a few years and gradually filling that lake up because that this probably has really has to dramatically hurt their business. It did not but, being on a lake. So you're joking though, right? You're going to fill up kind a, of. a fifty acre lake bed with a hose. Eventually, you'd get there. I Have mean, you ever even, filled up a kiddie pool? That yeah, takes it, a while. It takes a while, but I mean, if we're talking thirty years, it's like, hey, just keep the hose on, let it add <laughs> to it. I mean, maybe you get it done in ten years. Well. I, mean, I suppose the water keeps going down through the bed because it yes. hasn't filled back up. So yeah, so it would just keep going down. But then when the rains come, it's gonna just you're just giving it a head start. You're giving the lake a head start on a second chance on life. It's a great point, Robbie. I don't know why they haven't thought of that. I will that, say that's that's uh that's entrepreneur, Robbie, for you right there. It is something strange to like walk out into a lake that is supposed to be a lake and has like small trees and bushes growing in it. It's it's this surreal place. And uh, and if I haven't mentioned it yet, that's where they film Dirty Dancing. <laughs> All right, on that note, uh, it's now time for our uh, college basketball March Madness preview. Selection Sunday happened this past weekend. I don't care. And uh, games start on Thursday. Whatever. Brent, give me your biggest upset pick. If you're picking one, like really low seed, probably not going to win the tournament, but that all of our listeners that are going to watch games or you're just going to stumble into games, you we want them to root for. What team is that? Iona. Iona. 14 seed. From upstate New York. From upstate New York, only one reason. Robbie, what's the reason? Because their uh, their nickname is the Gales. Not like Gales in Gale Force wins, but N Gales. Nor like women named Gale. No, G-A-E-L-S is in Gaelic. Right, so that's a fantastic mascot. Iona, I don't know anything about it, but I hope they smash Oregon by 100 points. Probably not going to happen, but we were going to have our fingers crossed. Okay, I have two. Yeah, you know what the thing is? They said Johnny and Baby would never work, too. Iona can beat Oregon just like Johnny and Baby can beat the odds and find love that doesn't care about status or chances of success outside of this summer fling all right, so my my two uh, lower seeds that I want I want to root for and want people to root for is one, for the Vermont Catamounts. Another great name because of their nickname and I love their uniforms, green, gold, uh, gold lettering, gold piping, and they have actually had one they had one game. I think they were a 16 seed, maybe against I don't remember the opponent, but it was one of the powerhouses like North Carolina maybe 10 years ago, and 
oh, they were up at halftime. And that is my one dream when it comes to March Madness is to see a 16 seed defeat a one seed. And maybe it will happen, but it's really close on my my second team to root for is Troy. They're, they're the 15 seed and they're playing Duke. Oh, yeah. So everyone wants Duke to lose. Unless you're a Blue Devils fan yourself, everyone wants Duke to lose. Troy is... I'm going to put it, say they're still kind of a new Division One basketball team. It might have been 15 years if they've been in Division One. Still relatively recent uh, Division One team. Wait, can I say real quick about Vermont? Yeah. Only two states away from New York, which is where Iona is from, which is Iona not far from the Catskill Mountains, which is where Dirty Dancing was supposed to be set, although it was filmed in Virginia and North Carolina. Another reason to root for both Iona and Vermont. Not that far from where Baby and Johnny fell in love. So, Brent, I had uh, two lower seed teams that I am choosing to follow and root for during the opening rounds of the mm-hmm. tournament this later this week. You had a, a middle, kind of a middle-tier team. What yes. team is that? That's West Virginia. Um, that's my native state. That's uh, coached by Bob Huggins, or as we affectionately know him as Bob Thuggins, just to remind after Gooners, when he coached in the 90s at the University of Cincinnati, he graduated 0% of his basketball players the entire decade. He wears a track suit to every game, has a lot of gold jewelry. You know, uh, none of our, uh, we've not graduated any students in our podcast intern program yet. So right now, we're at 0% graduation rate with Bob Huggins. That's a good point. I will also say about West Virginia, um, in terms of like how like uh, letterings happen in states, you know, like on universities, like what Duke looks like when it gets lettered and things like that, you or like, OSU. You mean like font? Yeah, like I think W West Virginia's is the, maybe the best looking of all the like research one schools. So we're talking like font or typeface. Yeah, the on, w- their, on their uniform and their logo. Right, the WV looks like it's mountainous, right? So the WV are set up as though they are peaks and valleys. And West Virginia is the only state that is completely absorbed in the Appalachian Mountains, the only only state that's like that. And uh, and so it represents the mountains and the hollers really well. So I, aesthetically, it's, it's pleasing. Like if you were wearing a WV hat, which obviously stands for WVU, then it, it looks like, uh, it looks like mountains and hollers. So, uh, Brent, we have the same team for our top seed, you know, the the one team that really has a chance to win that we want to root for and want to win. So what is that same team that we're the official podcast team of the podcast this this March Madness? It's Gonzaga. It, it can't be anything else. can't be anything else. Let me tell you something about Gonzaga. Now, Gonzaga is a one seed, so you might think they've got all the silver spoons in their mouth. They've been given everything. But much like an 18-year-old baby, who's soon to go to Mount, Mount Holyoke to study to be a Peace Corps worker, there's something more than a one seed. There's heart. There's drive. There's a belief and an optimism in others that makes you think that maybe the people that are being rejected are worth something. Baby had that. Gonzaga had that. And just like Johnny and Baby ended up together, Gonzaga and that corporate-produced trophy will also one day end up together brent i i just checked mount holyoke didn't make the ncaa tournament well what is the what is the uh, mascot to mount holyoke if it's the babies i'm walking out of the studio and never coming back (laughs) 
Mount Holyoke Lions. The only saving grace here is it's spelled with a Y. Lions. Their weekly review email list is called A Lion's Tail. How do they spell tail? I don't know. It just disappeared off the screen. It's in one of those rolling sliders. I guess it's T-A-L-E, but I figure since they messed up lion, why not just mess up the other one too? Hey, so if I write a letter from the afternooner proposing a mascot change from a person who has recently seen Dirty Dancing for the first time. Lion's Tales, T-A-L-E-S. Are you are you following me right now? Because this is big. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, so yeah, I'll I, put my name on it. Sure. Uh, okay, because uh, I'm going to send it from us as though we have just seen Dirty Dancing for the first time, <laughs> and was so <laughs> and was so moved by the by the movie that we are asking Mount Holyoke to change their mascot to the babies. I will write that letter. We will read that letter. Neck on next week's podcast. And I will ask at the end of the letter if there's anyone at Mount Holyoke who can talk to us about their mascot and their fame by being associated with... I want to make sure that the school, to the to us as the writer of the letter, we don't care. We don't even recognize that it's a prestigious school. It's just <laughs> the school that Baby was going to in 1962 before she met Johnny. So, uh... After Gooners, if you just happen to be a student of Dr. Klein's and you're wondering, man, he had all spring break to grade those papers. He's had them for a month now. Why? <laughs> I still haven't got him back. It's been a week after spring break. He's been busy writing this mascot letter to a school we really just thought about. Well, I mean, you you thought about him a couple of days ago when you saw the film Dirty Dancing. But I, I can't tell you how excited I am. Like, I have a reason. I know it's going to be, I might have a heart attack tomorrow morning because of uh, Daylight Savings Week, but I can't or tell Or a car you, accident. Or a car accident. But I can't tell you how excited I am to write this letter. This is going to be great. After Gooners, you've got one week to watch Dirty Dancing. One week. Make it happen. Though we should say, about movies, we can close by saying we are going to, with the podcast interns, watch the movie that we talked about a few months ago. Saving Christmas. Saving Christmas. Starring with, Kurt Cameron. With Kurt Cameron. It's no Dirty Dancing. Or Growing Pains. Yeah, it might actually be the opposite of Dirty Dancing in almost every way. <laughs> I think it will be. But we're going to try and have the podcast interns come on next week so we can break down Saving Christmas for you. So I believe Saving Christmas is on Netflix streaming. Now, Dirty Dancing is not. You're going to have to rent it on Amazon for like three bucks. Or go to Redbox. I don't Can think Redbox oh, no. is going to Redbox doesn't work like Look, that. Look, you you young aftergooners out there, you know how to steal a movie. Don't do it. Just rent it. Let's make sure the estate of Patrick Swayze gets what's coming to him. Uh, Patrick Swayze did, of course, pass away in, I think, 2009. Was it that like long that. ago? Yeah, I think it was that long ago. Pancreatic cancer. Let's, um, let's have a uh, moment of silence for um, Patrick Swayze. Thanks for listening this week. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Tweet at us, at The Afternooner. Until next time. So long.